welcome everyone to the inaugural episode of Trekking Through with Dan and Ron. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm Ron. Hello. Uh, we are looking at the latest installment in the Star Trek universe, Lower Decks, an animated comedy uh, coming out on CBS All Access. It uh, first aired uh, August 6th, first episode, entitled Second Contact. Now, uh, uh, I've We've both watched this many times. I can't get enough uh, <laughs> of its madcap cartoon comedy. But, Ron, this isn't the first Star Trek cartoon we've seen, is it? It is not. It is not. In the early 70s, uh, um, the, the Star Trek uh, uh, folks put out the animated series. Uh, I think it ran for a couple of seasons. Uh, kind of on the down low, it rounded out the, uh, the five-year mission of the original Enterprise after the original series was canceled. Uh, it was not the best-looking animated series. It was done by a group called Filmation. Um, it really looks like uh, cardboard cutouts moved around the screen. Uh, but it did have some really good episodes that contributed to canon, um, especially Yesteryear. Looked that up. It really gave us a lot of information about Spock's backstory and Vulcans and their culture in general. Right, right. His, his lost Vulcan pet. That's a good one. Achaya. One of the things I enjoyed about the original cartoon was the fact that they took what was a, a full Star Trek plot and actually boiled it down to the 25 minutes. And boy, those poor voice actors had to talk fast sometimes. <laughs> and and uh, James Doohan, Scotty doing like half the voices, Nichelle Nichols doing the other half. Absolutely, and there was a, there was a lot of. Uh, a lot of multiple voices voices acted there. Uh, whenever, yeah, any any time you had an alien ma male, it was James Dewan pretty much. If it was a female, it was Nichelle. Uh, it, it was it's it's fun trying to pick out whose voice is doing what uh, with whatever effect they put on it or whatever affect uh, that the, the actor uh, delivered the line with. And so, fifty years later, they've given us finally a, a new cartoon. Uh, that isn't limited in its voiced cast. Uh, big, long roster of, of very talented folks uh, in, on, on Lower Decks. We've got uh, Tawny Newsom uh, from uh, Space Force and Bajillion Dollar Properties. She is the lead female, uh, Ensign Mariner. And then uh, the lead, lead male, uh, Brad Boimler, Ensign Boimler, played by Jack Quaid. Of Meg Ryan, Dennis Quaid's <laughs> son, fame. No, he, he... yeah, he's he's been out there for a little bit, but the, it's it's nice to see him in this. Yes, yes, his voice is really selling. Uh, his his character. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Ensign Boimler, Ron? Well, Boimler is definitely the the prim and proper uh, new Starfleeter. Uh, Eager for his first command, wants to be captain someday. Uh, button up by the book guy, who you you can just sort of tell that in a real crisis situation he might not be the best. He'll know all those regs, but uh, he's not equipped to actually handle the the action, which is it's a very good thing that uh, some of his uh, um, crew members are there to help him out, and he's there to help them out with the with the rules and regulations. But he's definitely not a man of action, at least at this junction. And that's juxtaposed with uh, uh, Ensign Mariner, Tawny Newsom doing a fantastic job. I really think Mariner is the strongest character of the show. She's the woman of action, she's got uh, the experience, and she's just 
playful and fun about stuff. I mean, we're introduced, the very first scenes of the show introducing us to these two characters is, is Boimler hiding in a closet doing a fake captain's log, and she busts in on him as she's taking all the contraband for, himself, for herself. Uh, contraband including Romulan whiskey. Oh no, whiskey, not Romulan ale, the horror. The horror. Romulans <laughs> only get one drink, Ron. Only one drink. Yeah, I mean, I've always imagined the Romulan Star Empire to be kind of like Cuba, a Cuba analog, where anything from from uh, their uh, uh, empire would be embargoed or uh, uh, disallowed from import into the Federation. So, yeah, Romulan whiskey, Romulan lager, uh, Romulan spirits of any stripe would be banned. And why the hell not a Romulan whiskey? Right. Uh, and I guess I guess when they dropped that initial trailer preview, which was basically the first few minutes of the episode, uh, there was already pushback on that. Like there was already oh, rage. Oh yes, the the the, the nerd the nerd rage is strong. Uh, uh, but you know the Romulans probably do have more than one um, alcoholic adult beverage uh, for their uh, their citizenry to partake of. <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's let's dive in here. We we already talked about it. it opens uh, with Boimler in the closet doing his fake captain log. Uh, Mariner appears. She's got all her her uh, contraband. She's drunk, and she clearly has a thing for Klingons. It, right, right away, she's talking about how great this Klingon with an eye patch that she got this bat left and how. All the stuff you could do ends up cutting his leg. Very comedic, very fun. Well, you know, uh, Klingon fetishism and uh, fetishizing Klingons uh, has a very rich history in, in fan fiction and fan fandom. So that could be a, a nice little uh, little uh, nod to uh, the slash fic out there uh, that are with their uh, their Klingon uh, stories, uh, right? <laughs> and I'll go ahead and, and go out on the limb here and say that uh, at some point in this show. Uh, Mariner's gonna hook up with a Klingon, for sure. Are we gonna? Are, are they gonna reference the uh, the dual penis uh, that we we uh, uh, got teased out in Discovery last season? <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Did I miss something in Discovery last season? Klingons have two penises. Apparently, you must have. When they were on the Klingon homeworld, uh, they were in kind of the the alien um, sector when they were doing their little. Um, espionage there uh and uh there was a comment made about uh someone being interested in a klingon and someone you know maybe not having the right uh, equipment uh for for that uh and then we did see a scene in an alleyway uh in the slums of chronos where we saw a, a klingon urinating up against a wall and there were two distinct streams and uh you know we we learned in um, the next generation that klingons do have uh uh Sometimes they have superflu superfluous uh, parts uh, for backup, like Worf and uh, right. two hearts, That's things right. like that. So, uh, you know, two penises could be, right? So uh, maybe Mariner can give us the, the, the down low on, on, on all right. the details of that. I would imagine <laughs> the first thing Mariner would talk about after hooking up with a, with a Klingon would be the, the two penises. Yeah, I mean, the, the versatility alone, the versatility. I but the, the, okay, so so this is we'll call this a penile digression. Uh, <laughs> the show then goes on to its intro, which is a very classic Trek orchestral music comes on as we're given shots of their uh, their ship, 
in different acts of peril, which uh, which is fun. Was instead of like nebulas and and uh, uh, just open space scenery, it, it, we're actually given action and, and comedic bits all throughout the the intro. Yeah, it's a it's a little fumbly and bumbly type starship uh, going through uh, the traditional majestic. Uh, Escapes of uh, of the uh, the celestial bodies, the ships going by, but in 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 this case, uh, the ship is uh, definitely running into trouble here and there, and uh, uh, it looks like having some some wacky adventures on on their way, and maybe not looking quite so stately as that Enterprise or Voyager um, crossing the frame left to right. Yes, th- this this ship, uh, the USS Cerrito, uh, Spanish for small hill. It, 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 from the intro, it's very clear that they might fail at many things. At anything they <laughs> endeavor to do, they have a good chance of coming up zero. <laughs> and that, that's definitely uh, a, a new branch of Trek that we haven't experienced yet that I'm really excited to experience. Uh, we'd actually talked about this in, in the past, how great it would be to have this exact kind of show where uh, you, Trek has, has a tendency... Where, with its main characters to always be at the forefront of what's happening in the galaxy. It's very universal-centric to, to that core of characters, and now we're finally watching people that aren't in, at the heart of the Klingon-Romulan war. They're not at the heart of the, anything that's happening. It's just it's their adventures. Absolutely, and I can, I can definitely imagine some fertile territory for the writers going forward uh, with with that. Where not not just the comedic bits of this this crew is not the A list crew, and they they may not be the best and brightest or the most capable in Starfleet, uh, but on a, on a, from a different uh, viewpoint, you could also have them coming through and picking up the pieces after, say, the Enterprise makes first contact. The Cerritos comes in there and. Look at all this! Look at all the crap that the Enterprise started. Look at all this! All, all this stuff that now we have to come in and pick up the pieces and fix what those idiots did, uh, because you know the you know Picard and crew come into a into a situation, come to a planet, solve things, fix the, the, the fix the problem, and zoom off. And what happens to that planet tomorrow? Well, that's where the Cerritos comes in, and um, uh, w- what they do uh, might be uh, finishing the job or. Fixing the, um, the whatever the screw up was of the A listers that came through, um, but there's definitely a lot of ground to be covered in the the I guess the, the secondary ships out there in Starfleet that are not the the hero ships of the of, that we're used to anyway. Excellent. Yes. Great. Great point. And I look forward to the Madcap Adventures. Uh, and to continue walking through what actually happened in this episode, uh, we were next introduced once credits end. We're introduced to uh, Ensign Tendi an Orion female with a green skin. And this, this isn't the first Orion female we've seen in Starfleet, but it's definitely the first Orion female character we're going to follow. Uh, and probably the, uh, the first Orion in Starfleet in the prime timeline. I think the previous time we saw uh, an Orion uh, in Starfleet was in the J.J. Abrams 2009 Star Trek film. Very easy to miss. I missed it. You pointed it out to me. I, I did think Tendi was the first Orion. Uh, she would be what, what the what the fans see when they come onto a ship. Just the, the wow, look at this, look at that, I want to see this, I want to see that. So 
she she definitely at least for me is the was the audience stand-in at least for um for parts of the episode when she got to, to take the tour of the ship and see what it was all about right which she immediately reports to uh ensign boimler and mariner and they uh they take her on a, a tour of the ship uh which which is fun we get uh we get to see an actual map of the ship up close uh, which is not something they always give us in the first episode of a Star Trek uh, series. Yeah, usually, usually those uh, those those technical specs are at least in the old days were up to the fans to figure out and put out their own bootleg merchandise and blueprints at conventions and things like that. Now we're seeing some of the the interior workings of the ship, the layout from the get go, and you know it, it is a bit awkward and unusual looking ship it's unbalanced it's weird but you know it's perfect for this crew because they're unbalanced and weird and awkward so it, it it's the perfect ship for this crew so they start their tour of the ship uh, and we are immediately introduced to uh the last of our four uh main lower decks characters ensign rutherford uh played by eugene cordero i i forgot to mention uh ensign tendy is played by noel wells and uh, Rutherford, uh, Eugene Cordero, a uh, great character actor, seen him in, in, in tons and tons of things. Ensign Rutherford, uh, it's, he's, he's a cyborg, but a recent cyborg. So he's still trying to get used to his, uh, apparently, Vulcan implants. Yes, that's, that's what I gathered from that. So it's definitely tending to subdue his emotions, uh, maybe to his benefit at times, maybe not. <laughs> right, right. I I did not anticipate the the Vulcan technology coming back into it, but it definitely uh, seems to make him want to be more logical at times and not emotional. And so they uh, they move on. Mariner uh, shows them the holodeck, and she loads up her favorite place, a uh, beach in Hawaii, and Centendi shows a, a marketplace in a city in Orion. And uh, where does Boimler take us in the holodeck? Well, apparently his happy place, uh, the Warp Core. The Warp Core. <laughs> Scotty would be proud. Scotty, Scotty be and Jordy would be proud. Right? Something you could, you could walk across the ship and go see, but no. That's, that's valuable holodeck <laughs> time. Uh, which we, and we all know what the holodeck would be used mostly for. And this show gives it to us. Because Boimler exits, gets called to the bridge, and Mariner and Tendi in the holodeck, Mariner immediately loads up her all-nude Olympic training program. It's a highly detailed program, as uh, Tendi, uh, Tendi points <laughs> as out. Tendi states, yes. Right? Uh, we get a great, great shot of a bunch of muscular, naked dudes working out in a gym. And uh, definitely cracked me up, because... That's, that's ever since I saw a holodeck in next gen, my thoughts were like, wouldn't everybody use this for sexual purposes? Like, absolutely. Isn't this and safe it's just, sex? It's, it's, it's definitely hinted at that, uh, uh, you know, on some episodes with some dialogue that, that Riker and definitely Barkley would be enjoying some, some sexy times in the holodeck. I can imagine. Yeah. But, you know, in those, in those TNG episodes, whenever you had anything vaguely sexualized in the holodeck, it was, it was direct directed towards uh, um, women as sex object in the holodeck, as opposed to in in this case uh, turned on its head with uh, uh, all the the nude men in the gym. They they are the objects now. 
so then, then we're, uh, we're finally introduced in the next scene to some of the senior staff and probably the most famous name in the voice acting uh, cast to me, uh, Jerry O'Connell playing uh, First Officer Jack Ransom. He's down on the planet with his crew, wrapping up second contact, gets a nice little alien bite on his neck that he swats at. Uh, that uh, it's a nice setup. It doesn't take too long to pay off. Uh, they they beam back up onto the ship, and it's revealed that when when a lieutenant comes up to the first officer, they are total bros. Jerry O'Connell's character, Jack Ran Ransom, total uh, frat bro first officer. There's even a, a chest bump between the two. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's definitely um, what I can imagine uh, Will Riker may have been like in his academy days. Uh, carousing, unscrupulous with uh, with the ladies, and definitely a bro. Definitely. Uh, I, I look forward to, to the shenanigans Ransom causes. He moves on to the bridge where Boimler has, has just arrived, and immediately there's some tension between the two. It's clear that Ransom does not like Boimler. But the captain calls Boimler in uh, 101 and basically gives him the mission, hey, before you go down on the planet, I need you to keep an eye on Ensign Mariner for and breaking any protocol. Any, pro any protocol, any insubordination, any rules violations, regulations violations. Yeah, he's, he needs to spy on her, and we're not quite sure why at that point. Yes, the, the captain clearly has a, an overt interest in, in Ensign Mariner that we, has not been revealed to us at this point in the show. Uh, and we, we move on from that to uh, Ensign Rutherford, the cyborg's uh, date in 10 forward, where his implant definitely making the date awkward but the date's okay with it her father was a cyborg <laughs> that's nice it's a, a nice commonality there. right hey i'm comfortable <laughs> with this uh and and we're taking it we move on to uh mariner and boimler beaming down on the planet they're gonna set up a comma ray for these aliens and i i love the look of these aliens they definitely gave me a futurama vibe yeah to me they, they felt kind of like a, a care bear crossed with a, um a pig or a boar <laughs> yes yes they were odd looking little guys and it was it was great because it's something that you can you can do crazy aliens without crazy amounts of money spent on special effects right and they're the yeah exactly short little pinkish purple care bear pigs yeah Im immediately boimler spots mariner loading up an atv and driving away so so he rushes off uh, to to follow her and we're taken back to the ship uh, during the date, Rutherford's on. Ransom in the background, the bug bite makes him go full zombie, and he just starts attacking and biting and spraying, spraying black ichor all over the place. <laughs> and uh, to great comedic effect, Rutherford doesn't, in his date, don't even blink or pause like they keep their date going yeah the conversation continues unabated as if this crazy stuff of zombie outbreak in, in the 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 rec room or mess hall uh happens every week yeah this happens all the time so you know might as well continue our conversation right zombies is not a good enough reason to to stop a date <laughs> no not, not on this ship we're taken from the date to tendy who is reporting in the medical uh in the sick bay uh, she reports to uh, Dr. Uh, 
who is is a cat alien. Uh, yeah, T Tiana, Tiana, I believe, is her name. Tiana, played yeah. by uh, Gillian Vigman. Uh, this cat doctor looked immediately familiar to me, uh, but I couldn't quite place it. Yeah, uh, she, to me anyway. When I first saw her, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's that's a Zinti from the animated series, another cat-like uh, like race. But with uh, with Doctor Tiana, from what I've been seeing online, some of the resources out there, it lists her as being a Cation doctor. We've seen Cations before. That would be also on the animated series. It'd be Lieutenant Mores. Um, and also, I believe in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, we, we see a glimpse of, of a, a Cation uh, on Paradise City that does attack uh, Captain Kirk. Um, but uh, Tiana definitely looks more Zinti to me um, than, than Cation. Either way, she could just be a, a very frumpy Cation for all we know. She does have kind of like a back alley cat vibe uh, to, she's, to her look. She's a, she's, she's a feline Dr. McCoy yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> she's the curmudgeon. So we're taken from the med bay, which which is, of course, now filled with zombies and attendees. Just immediately, like, yeah, no orientation. There's the person you're reporting to, tied down on the bed, full on zombie, trying to eat you. Go, go, take care of them. Right. Or go, here, hold this heart. <laughs> hold this heart. <laughs> the, we're we're taken back to the planet where uh, Boimler's followed Mariner. She's she's gone to. Uh, uh, this alien farm, and she's meeting a couple aliens to give them the equipment or sell them the equipment. We don't know. And uh, Boimler immediately accuses her of, of selling weapons and pulls a phaser <laughs> on Mariner and these these aliens, which causes, of course, more chaos as he starts firing, and the aliens run into their giant barn, leaving the door open, and causing a giant alien spider to. Uh, escape and begin chasing them. I hate it when that happens. I hate it when that happens. As they're like running and hiding from this spider, it's it, it's very clear that Mariner is an old pro. She she even talks about like I've been on five ships. I've I got stuck in a sentient cave. Do you know how terrible a sentient cave is? It's a dark place that knows things. <laughs> That sounds pretty terrible. <laughs> I think that's my favorite joke from the episode, too. It's very clear yeah, that, that yeah. she's the woman of action. Uh, she's got the, the, the practical hands-on experience, and, and he's really all book learning. She comes immediately comes up with a plan. Let's, let's make these dummies out of our outfits. The spider will be distracted. She leaps onto the spider's back. No problem. He, Boimler tries to jump on and, and, and ends up immediately sucked into the spider's mouth. <laughs> Yeah, so he was being what suckled for moisture. Yes, they told yes, him, right? The, he's he's not being he's not being consumed. Don't worry, he's not being consumed. The, the moment he's <laughs> in the mouth, the aliens arrive and tell Mariner it's an herbivore spider, and uh, she's just gumming him. She's just suckling him. Uh, <laughs> back back on the ship, uh, the the we've got Rutherford and his date are trying to traverse, get from one end of the ship to the other uh, safely. You know, they do a little space walk. They 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 bust back in into the ship. Great great peril. Uh, Manage to get on the other side of a door, and the date kisses Rutherford, and he's way more concerned with why this door didn't automatically open during a red alert when it sensed their com badges. <laughs> that damn implant. That damn implant. That's when we're, we take back to Tendi and sick bay. She's handed the, the lieutenant who chest bumped Ransom. Uh, I don't know that lieutenant's name off 
hand. She's handed his heart to pump it manually. <laughs> As he lies there and goes, ow, it hurts when you pump she, my heart. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Boimler back on the planet. He's been spit out of the spider. He's covered in spider goo, wearing hokey alien coveralls. And uh, he admits to Mariner that Captain sent him to kind of spy on her and watch her. Uh, so I imagine that you know creates a little bit of trepidation for her. Uh, they, they beam up and uh, they, they're beamed onto the ship in a room full of zombies and senior staff battling them. Which, which, is, which is fun, gets us right to the point. And, uh, of course, the, the doctor's in there, smells the slime, analyzes it, and uh, we're, we're really, it's, it's the moment to me where they really sum up kind of the, the theme of the show in, in that Boimler's covered in the goo, and the captain says to the doctor, what value does this man have? And she says, none, it's the goo. And the captain says, <laughs> everyone protect that goo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's also the moment where uh, the, uh, I guess, the, the Berman, Rick Berman era Star Trek A-B plot uh, um, storyline format, uh, the A and B plots coalesce. The, what's happening yes. on the ground, what's happening on the ship, all coalesce in that moment where what what ended up transpiring on the ground, uh, Boimler getting gooed, um, coming back onto the ship, that ties the two A and B plots together. The goo is 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 uh, the mechanism for solving the the plot on the ship. Right. They 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 battle to the sick bay, and the doctor uses the goo to synthesize a cure and sprays it through the ventilation system, and everybody's back to normal. And uh, we're treated to a nice moment where Boimler is listening to the captain make her log, and completely leaving out any of the lower deck participation and just glowing praises of how her senior staff can handle anything because they're the greatest. <laughs> Everyone protect this slime. Uh, she, uh, once she's done her log, uh, Captain Freeman, I don't believe we, we stated the captain's name, uh, she, she asks Boimler, what did you find? What did you see Mariner do? And, uh, and he, he, he says nothing. I, I didn't see her do anything wrong. Even though you came yeah, back yeah. <laughs> covered in goo and wearing alien coveralls? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I guess that goo uh, blanked my memory. I don't know what happened. Must have. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're, we're then treated to a nice scene with the captain in her quarters communicating with an admiral. Uh, and it's revealed Mariner is her daughter. Which explains so much about why she, why the special interest, why she wants uh, Boimler to spy on her, why, uh, why she's a stickler for all, all of that, all of her, her activities, and why Mariner, Ensign Mariner herself, is definitely a very cavalier attitude with rules and regulations, and it seems like she, she couldn't fail her way out of the fleet if she tried, and it sounds like she's been trying. Right, right, and she definitely throughout the episode displays contempt for the senior staff. Uh, I think when they're when they're looking at the map, she tells Tendi like everything above this deck is horrible, and you don't don't need to care about it. And Boimler's like, uh, "What about the bar?" And she's like, "Okay, everything but the bar." Right. I mean, it's really shaping up. I think down the line in this show, where Ensign Mariner is is with her contempt for the senior officers, uh, and for standing out in a crowd. Not just she likes to blend in and not really 
not really do do all these things on the ship uh, star, that Starfleeters want to do, like that Boimler wants to do. Um, but she's going to have ample opportunity to, to prove herself as basically more capable than the senior staff. The wrap-up uh, uh, scene shows us that uh, Tendi and Rutherford sit down and tend forward, and Tendi's asking Rutherford about his date. Boimler then tells Mariner that uh, he didn't... He didn't rat her out to the captain. He didn't tell the captain all the stuff she did. And that, that really puts Mariner in a good mood. She gets really excited. Uh, and then we get this rapid fire as the, as the show's ending. Uh, rapid fire references to, to all the great Star Trek. Uh, she, she immediately says that he's going to be her Shadich, uh, which is the, the Klingon second in a, in a challenge. Um, which is a callback to Next Generation. The Captain Picard was Worf's Chadich when he was challenging the council about what happened at Kittimer. Absolutely, yeah. We got references to, uh, to Spock dying, to Kirk and Spock saving the whales, and Troy's uh, jumpsuit. And, Sulu's and, yeah, a sword guy. Maybe you could be a sword. We need another sword guy, like Sulu. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, it's it's great. I loved all the references that the so-called fan service uh, that uh, the people out there who who may not care for all the the references to previous Trek thrown about. I, for one, really enjoy that. Uh, I'm a fan, so CBS continue to service me, please. Bring it on. <laughs> uh, the, by far, my favorite that uh, that got dropped was uh, Mariner mentions Gary Mitchell. Yes. Gary Mitchell, uh, a character seen in just one episode of the original series, the second pilot where no man has gone before. Kirk's old uh, Academy buddy, best friend, uh, gets godlike powers, tries to take over the ship, which happens every third episode <laughs> in Star Trek. Um, and Kirk ends up having to kill his friend. But that's the only um, only time we see Gary Mitchell in any of the the shows or, or films, but there's some great tie-in literature, some of the official novels that uh, that tell some of the backstory of the Gary Mitchell character. It was nice to hear a reference for, from that. Yeah, I don't think he's ever come up in another visual Star Trek medium since. No, no, definitely. And I can just imagine uh, if they had managed to keep the Gary Mitchell character alive in that episode, he could have played a, a further role in the original series. I mean, we're, we're talking about a pre-2001 A Space Odyssey um, Gary Lockwood as, as Gary Mitchell, and he became quite quite a, a sought-after actor um, after 2001. So uh, he could have definitely um, carried on in, in Star Trek as, as a recurring character, and I think that would have been a very interesting way that that could have unfolded differently in a different universe. Which I'm sure there's some, some fan fiction for. Obviously, Lower Decks is too new for fan fiction, but... Uh, it's coming, though. If, if I had my druthers, if there was something I could see for fan fiction... Uh, just based on this episode, I would want Rutherford's path to becoming a, a cyborg. Like he's a, We know he's a fresh cyborg, only a couple weeks. I want to see what led him to the decision to get the, the cyborg implant. I, would, I think that would be really fun. Yeah, was, was it a decision to, well, you know, I just want to upgrade my abilities for my job. Uh, or, or whatnot, or if it was some, something like uh, the Lieutenant Arium character in Star Trek Discovery, where it was 
shown that she had had a, a major accident, and uh, her um, uh, technology that's been implanted is to keep her alive mm. uh, and keep her body functions going. So we don't know in Rutherford's case what, what the story is on that yet, but I'll be inter interested to find out. Yeah, they, well, it might not even be fan fiction. The, the rest of the series, it might. It might well might, be. Might it might well be. But, yeah. Uh, something I caught on my most recent watch through, uh, in the background of a few of the scenes, there is a crew member that's got the Geordie visor. Nice. And, uh, and it occurred to me, if they've got the visor for technology for Geordie, how many other blind people out there are we going to get, they, could they give visors to? You, you'd think it wouldn't be super uncommon where it's just one dude. Uh, right, you think it would be fairly common, right? Uh, uh, so I, I was actually delighted to see that. I was like, oh my goodness, look, it was, it's, a, it's yeah. a blind lady, and she's got a, one of the Geordie visors. <laughs> right on, yeah. Well, that's more, that's more fan service, Dan. We can't have we that. We can't have that. But, you know, one, one thing that really uh, I really appreciated about uh, this first episode of Lower Decks uh, is that the humor in it is, is not solely derived from... Uh, characters doing idiotic things or hurtful things or disrespectful things or demeaning things to each other it's the humor is based out of the absurdities of the situations they're thrown into which i think is a much better uh way of storytelling it's definitely not the easy way out of just uh, using um uh, crudeness and uh, meanness to, to get your humor. This is definitely more story-based uh, humor, and I really appreciate that. Uh, and, you know, it sounds like the Star Trek way of doing things, really. Yes, yes. It, the absurdities that you're talking about, like, there have been so many Star Trek episodes where you're watching and then, like, that's how Starfleet behaves, but how would a normal person behave in that situation? <laughs> that's the episode in a very large nutshell. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, I'm supremely excited to keep watching this show. Uh, the 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 snippets of previews of this season on at the end uh, definitely had some some good moments in there where, where you know they they've they've caught my interest and and we're going to be coming back each week and, and talking about it. Uh, we hope absolutely we hope you all enjoy it. Uh, you hope you come back with us and uh, as always keep trekking. Keep trekking through. Yep. Keep trekking, folks. Take care. All right. We'll see you next time. The theme song is Slumlord by Lotag Blanco, used with the Creative Commons license. As always, bask in the afterglow.